just encourage you all to close your eyes and look unto Jesus because it's not about me up the front it's about Jesus this is about Jesus the song that he gave me about the holy of holies ties in beautifully to what I want to share this morning the holy of holies in the Old Testament is the innermost place in the temple where the presence of God dwells And the priest could only enter, a high priest could only enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. And the holiness of the Lord is so strong in that place that anything that they did wrong, anything that they offered that was not holy, they were struck down. We read about Aaron's sons in Leviticus who was struck down for offering a profane sacrifice. And I looked up profane and I found not sacred, unauthorized, foreign or unholy. And even if they were offering the right sacrifices, if they made the wrong step, it says in Leviticus, when Moses is speaking the word of the Lord to Aaron, is saying, do this, 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 and this, lest he die. And this is not because our God is just some tyrannical, angry person that just wants to kill people. It's because he's so holy that that unholiness just cannot remain in his presence. And I just pray that strikes the fear of the Lord in you this morning in a good way. That you would just want to live in His holiness. And I just want to read you a couple of verses from Hebrews 10. So Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, with a capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This, the priests offering the same sacrifices day in, day out, that never take away sin, just reminds me of myself offering up sacrifices day in, day out, and just never taking away my sin. I may feel better for a moment and I may call myself a Christian, but if I'm just offering up sacrifices outside of what Jesus has done, it just never takes away that sin. But we read in verse 19 through 22, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest again capital H capital P it is Jesus over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith he is so holy 
so holy that we cannot even stand in his presence without the covering of the blood that takes away our sins, takes away all unrighteousness. So would we not forget the depth of the blessing that we have, the magnitude of what he did, that he took something that was so filthy and unholy and the complete opposite to who he is, And that he took that upon himself on the cross that we might have communion with him. That we might live with him in that place where he's the high priest and we can come into the holiness of holies day by day. So as we take communion now, would we just have the most thankful hearts for what he has done? that despite all that we are, that we can come into the place with the holiest God with boldness. So Lord Jesus, would you just remove anything that is within us that is unholy, unrighteous, reveal to us this thing so that we can come to you completely covered in the blood, in boldness, and that we would live from this place of communion with you day by day. Let us eat and drink and remember him. So I want to just uh, share for a few minutes, and it is a short message today because we celebrated the kids, so it's a bit shorter. I just want to share a few words uh, today about the unity of the Spirit. If we can, yeah, that'd be good. Um, I want to, yeah, thank you for your encouragement from last week um, when you share some things, um, and particularly Romans 13, where has, from my understanding, has been very misunderstood through times and even people in their theology of it now. I want to thank you for your encouragement. Um, I had a lot of people encourage me, so I want to thank you for that. Though I didn't get too many rotten tomatoes thrown at me, so that's a good thing. Um, But I want to follow up with this message this morning about the unity of the Spirit. Oh, sorry, I I just want to explain to you that, you know, before when I dropped the microphone and I just kind of let out a... um, When I was in America about... Uh, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, um, I had this, uh, the School of the Prophets was prophesying over me and, and one of the leaders there, he said, he said you're going to carry uh, a spirit of breakthrough and anointing that will break yokes off people. And um, every now and then I just find myself doing what I did this morning. It's not something that I normally do, but I find spiritually speaking that there's, that, that there's, almost, that there's always a testimony that someone feels a release or a breaking when that happens. So that's why I did that. So I hope that's okay. I'm just being me, I suppose, aren't I? For those that have been around me long enough, you'll know a few things about me. One of the things you'll know about me is that I have a heart for unity. Yeah? In fact, I've spent many times weeping. I've I've spent many times grieving. I've spent many, many times interceding. Um, uh, about unity because what we see as unity is not what God sees as unity. 
You know, running an event together is not unity. Having a meeting together is not unity. Because just like worship is not about the song that we sing, it's about the position of our heart, unity, true, true unity is also about the position of our heart towards one another. And so there's no point having an event on a Sunday if on Monday you're talking about someone or, you know, like behind their back. Yeah? Unity is about the position of our heart. And so unity is much deeper. The, the expression of unity is much deeper. And depending what you've encountered in terms of unity, depending in, like in um, terms of what you've experienced, that will be the, the bar that you use, won't it? Often. Unless you obviously you know, get a revelation from the Word of God and then that becomes the bar. But generally speaking, what, what you've encountered will be your bar. So if you've just encountered, you know, getting together every now and then with some people or, you know, like the churches just having um, our ministers get together every now and then and a, um, and a service a couple of times a year or whatever else, that will be the bar of unity. But I want to say that in Launceston, I created, uh, I, I created, goodness me, I encountered, um, I encountered unity at a level that I'd never experienced before, before we left and came here. Every Tuesday morning, 17 pastors from the city would gather together to pray and worship. That was 101 in our diary. It wasn't, oh, I need to do this, or I need to do that, or I need to do this. No, no, no. It was, I'm getting together with my brothers and sisters in Christ who are fellow pastors in the city, and we're going to worship, and we're going to pray for our city. And then after that, we'd just go and have coffee. Because you just got to fit the coffee in there somewhere. No one owned it, no fellowship, no ministry owned it. Every Tuesday morning, we were at a different building or a different place around the city. We just met together, we worshipped and we prayed, we prayed for one another and when things came up, you know what, we actually helped each other. There was one time that, that we organised for every church in the city to take up an offering for another church in the city, or well, not every church in the city did it, but a lot of churches took up an offering for another church that was struggling. There was another time where a pastor lost his life in a tra tragic accident and, and I remember we took up these large offerings and, we, and it, it was a hard thing to do to go to the spouse of the pastor who just lost his life in a bushwalking accident in New Zealand. He accidentally fell, fell off a cliff. So it was a tragedy. And I was on an hiring because I had this wad of money that we collected from different churches and I was, I was like, this God, I, I, I was battling in myself because it just didn't seem appropriate but at the time I said, like the father was saying to me, no, 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 go, go and give it to her. I knocked on her doorstep, she opened the door and we, she was crying, we hugged and embraced and I gave her the wad of money and I didn't realise at the time because he passed away overseas that all their bank accounts had got frozen. I didn't realize, we didn't realize this stuff. We took up an offering. There was several thousand dollars that we gave to this, this lady. Why am I sharing that? I'm sharing the fact that we, that we carried each other in each other's hearts. It wasn't about an event. It wasn't about a ministry. It wasn't about that, but we actually carried each other in our hearts. And, you know, before we left to move to Bundaberg, you know, all those years ago now, you know, we used to pulpit swap. 
I would go and minister in someone else's fellowship and they would come and minister in the fellowship that we were leading. There was pulpit swapping going on. You know, that is starting to get to real unity. Because you recognize Christ in one another. And you know what? You recognize the grace of God. You recognize the different gifts. And you look around and go, our fellowship needs that gift because we, we don't have that. Our fellowship needs to hear that message. So we need to hear that. And we started to move together in that form. So you know from my heart that, that, that my heart for unity is one of the primary things that Jesus has imprinted onto my heart. And so I'm really grieved at this point in time that not only is there division between the churches in the city, but there is division between families and there is division between people over this issue that is in our nation right now. And the, the other thing that you'll know about me is that I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe that we actually need to be on the advancement, that we're not meant to just be complacent, apathetic, lukewarm people that just let whatever come over us come over us, but believe. But I believe that we're meant to be on the forefront because we are the head and not the tail. We are kingdom ambassadors. We are sons and daughters of the king. And, you know, our mandate is to see his kingdom come and his will be done in every situation. Amen? So part of spiritual warfare... The reason I'm saying this is not just do some and to speak and to pray and to stuff, but the key component that I've shared once before about spiritual warfare that people most often miss is the fact that we need to move in the opposite spirit. Because you carry the anointing. You carry the anointing, you carry the grace, and you carry the authority. And the, and, and the way that we overcome what is happening is by intentionally moving in the opposite spirit. You can't even just, you know, like it's like a tug of war. If all we do is hold our position, we don't get anywhere. We actually need to pull. And we actually need to pull. And you know what? We are on the, on the winning side because our anchor man is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who is on the other end. Our anchor man is Jesus Christ. But as his kingdom ambassadors, amen, we need to be moving in spiritual warfare. And so any time we see segregation, any time we see division, guess what? We need to move in unity and we need to move in love or love and unity. That's who we are, isn't it? Jesus Christ, the Word of God says Jesus Christ came in the world to reconcile men to God. Amen. Not counting the sins of man against them anymore, but to reconcile. Jesus came to save the world. He didn't come to condemn it. He came to save it. So we are reconciled. And we have to see that happen. I was reading, someone shared with me a post during the week by Bill Johnson. And they did a little smiley face and they said, oh, Bill Johnson's speaking what you're speaking. And he says this. He said, sometimes we are separate because we haven't fought to be together. Sometimes we are separate because we haven't fought to be together. Because the Word of God says to make every effort, amen? To make every effort. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us not give up meeting together, as in some, uh, some are in the habit of doing. But in fact, let us meet together and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
Why is that so important? Because the day approaching is the day with the capital D. That is the day of the coming of the Lord. It is really important because of the pressing that is happening around us. The enemy just wants to get in there and, and put a little wedge in there and just break off people here and just break off people there and break off people there because when you are isolated, you are open to discouragement. And when you get discouraged, it's really easy to give up. And that's why I believe that the writer of Hebrews said that. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's why I believe home groups are so important. That's why I believe getting together with other people outside of Sunday is primary. If you're only relying upon Sunday for your fill, then you're not being filled enough. If you're only relying upon Sunday for your spiritual food, then you need to get a bit more hungry. If you're only relying upon Sunday to shake someone's hand and say hello, then there's something else that God wants to reveal to you. Because the early church lived life together seven days a week. Amen? Amen? Well, that wasn't a very big amen. The early church lived life together seven days a week. Amen? You know, right across this nation right now, we are seeing division and we are seeing segregation. And we've, and we've said from the start that we will not partner with that. If that means we can't meet in this building and we have to meet somewhere else, you know what, that's what we'll do. Because we will not partner with segregation because segregation is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, is there an amen? I really believe in this moment right now, though, that, that we need to live out the words of Isaiah 60. Does anyone know what Isaiah 60 is? Yeah, someone's got that one. So remember, next time when I ask you what Genesis 11 and 12 is, you'll remember. Isaiah 60, arise and shine. I really believe that we need to be living out Isaiah 60 right now. That's who we are. Doesn't it speak to us right now? Arise and shine for your light has come. Jesus said, you are the salt and you are the, you are the, you are the, you are the, you are the light. You are the salt and you are the light. Arise and shine for your light has come. Christ, the hope of glory is in you. He is in you. Your light has come. Jesus has come. Amen. And the glory of the Lord shines over you because there is an open heaven. Jesus has made a way, the veil that, we, that Nick was talking about, the veil was torn. He has made a way that we can live and enter into the Holy of Holies. The glory of the Lord. For look, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over peoples. But the Lord will shine upon you, and His glory will appear over you. What a, what a great opportunity in the darkness to shine for Jesus. Is there an amen? We have to move in love and we have to move in unity. And you know what? We have to make every effort at times. We have to make every effort at times. And you know what? Sometimes you need to apologize. Sometimes you need to say sorry. Sometimes you just need to chase that person down in a good way. When that person's, you feel like, wow, they're not really talking to me anymore. You need to chase them down in a good way and go, we need to chat. I'm not just talking, about, like, I'm not talking about restoration city. I'm talking about the whole, the church in the city. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about all these situations. 
It says in Ephesians 4, it says to make every effort. But I want to speak today about the unity of the Spirit just for a few minutes. Because it says, um, so here was Paul in prison. Do we realize that he wrote most of his letters when he was in prison? You know, if you find yourself housebound and you can't get out and do much, you know what? You've got a ministry. You can write to people. You can write words of encouragement. You can write prophetic words. Everybody has a ministry right up until the day they go to be with Jesus. Do we recognize that? I, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father over all who is above all and through all and in all. The unity that we have cannot be maintained by our own flesh. The unity that we have is in Christ and is of the Spirit. Paul said, keep, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit in you, recognizing a brother or sister in Christ and the Holy Spirit in them and realizing that we are united together in Christ. And therefore, I am not going to let anything get in the way of that unity. I will not let any offense, any unforgiveness. Sorry, Kathy, you're just in the front row today. Um, any offense, anything, any misunderstandings, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make every effort. Because if we don't, do we understand that we're grieving the Spirit of God? That's true. If we are not making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, we actually grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we wonder, go, why am I sensing God's presence anymore? Like, why am I, you know, maybe you're holding something and it's become a blockage. We have to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. The enemy always wants to bring division. Why, why does the enemy want to bring division? Because he knows the power of unity. We, we'll go all the way back to Genesis 11, like I spoke about a few weeks ago. Babel. Here were people from different, you know, people all coming together, and they were building this tower. And God actually declares over them, nothing is impossible. But the, the problem was this. They said, we will make a great name for ourselves. And God said, well, I can't allow that to happen. Because I'm holy. That was a good word this morning, Nick. Hey? Sure. So the language was confused, and so they went off. But then, as I said about a few weeks ago, at Pentecost, that was reversed because we had been given the language of the Holy Spirit, and God is actually calling us together. But you see, the difference is that we are not living for ourselves and we are not living to make our name great. We are living for the cause of Jesus Christ. We are living for the name of Jesus Christ. We are living for the glory of God. Is there an amen? But if it was, but, but, but if it was true that nothing was impossible for these people that were united, then is it not also true when we join together 
as brothers and sisters in the unity of the Spirit, is it also then not true that nothing is impossible? It's true. The God to whom all things is possible is saying all things are possible. But you can't live as the world lives. You can't do as the world does. You need to live for me. You need to live by my Spirit. You need to keep the unity of the Spirit. And this is why the enemy will always attack unity. He'll always attack relationship because the, because the Word of God says there is blessing in unity. In fact, it says in Psalm 133 that the Lord commands the blessing. Where there is unity, God commands the blessing. It's no wonder that the enemy wants to attack unity because where there's unity, God commands a blessing. So what would happen in Bundaberg if Christians started to be, come, come together and actually start to be united together? What would happen? The Lord says, well, I'm going to command a blessing. And you know what happens when the Lord starts to command a blessing? There's transformation. If you study the history of revivals, you will see that unity was part of the flame. Or what, put it, maybe put it this way, it was the timber, the catalyst to the fire. Sometimes there were just three people praying, repentant hearts, humble hearts, but there was total unity. And they would pray and God would move. Other times through history, there was, you know, bigger numbers. But the key is that there was nothing between each other. They were carrying the heart of God. We need to be a people that stand up. We need to be a people of the Spirit. We need to stand up for the plans and purposes of God. You know, Jesus said, Jesus' prayer was that we would be one as He and the Father are one. But the thing I want to close with... Actually, I'm not really closing quite yet, am I? Hang on. The thing I want to bring out um, this, this morning is that if you think about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they are three distinct persons. Yes? And yet they were one. People often think that to have unity, there has to be conformity. But you know what? True biblical unity, there is diversity. Just as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were united and they were one, in true biblical unity there is diversity. Because it's about our heart. It's not about whether I'm the right arm or the left leg or whether I'm one of the lungs or whether I'm whatever, the nostril, the little toe, all that stuff. There's diversity. Diversity. You know, the Lord showed me as I was praying into this during the week, and I'm now I'm speaking about the nation for a minute. The Lord showed me that the church in this nation has allowed segregation and division to operate. And this has given the enemy access. Are we going okay? Okay, so we're just going to press this a little bit now. The church in this nation has allowed segregation and division to happen in this nation. Therefore, the enemy has had access. What we have to do is actually close the door and say no to segregation and no to division, and the enemy is powerless. Now, the segregation is this part. 
And this is why we fight so hard for family. This is why we fight for family. This is why I believe with all my heart that we're meant to have grandparents, parents and kids all together in the body of Christ. The church has allowed segregations because they, there's a youth church over here or there's some, you know, you know, like old people over there and, you know, like you've got something else so you need to go over there. We've segregated people and we've missed out on the richness of family because we haven't actually got together as grandparents, parents and kids and learnt off each other and actually learn to honour and respect each other in that context. And we're missing something. We've allowed segregation to come in and bring division in the church based on how old I am or or how old I am not. That's segregation. We've segregated the family unit. I've seen it. People walk in the door, you know, and some churches in this, in this nation don't even have all-in worship before the kids go off to Kingdom Kids. You know, it's like kids go one way, parents go the other, grandparents go out that way. I've seen it. But yet we're meant to be a nucleus of family together. We have to fight for family. And then, so the segregation to me was really speaking about the way that we've segregated families out. We've segregated. The church has segregated families and therefore we've given the enemy access. The division was speaking over, to me, the, the, the division that there is because of doctrines or the division that is there because of theology, that we've, that we've allowed division to come in because of doctrines and because of theology. When if we really sat down and spoke about it, the majority of denominations would, would agree on probably 75, 80, 85, 90% of the same things maybe. Is that a fair statement? The, the bulk of the stuff we, we agree on. And it's because someone has an accent on the gifts of the Spirit. Or so, you know that someone goes, well, they're a bit weird. We, like, we, like we won't go over there. Someone else has the accent upon mercy, mercy ministries, and they're like, well, they're pretty boring, aren't they? They just like really don't, you know. But there's, the differences are not meant to divide us. I have learned to appreciate other people that are different from me. And I guess that is the question. Do we learn to appreciate others that are different to us? Or do we think everyone has to be like us? But that's a bit what it is. But scripturally speaking, we can make a case for all the different things that people focus on. They're just one part of the whole. You see, what often happens with doctrines is that it'll become an overfocus to a point that it causes an issue. Over the years, there's been issues over faith ministry, prosperity ministry, healing ministry, you know, prophetic ministry. You just keep naming it. There's just been all these different issues throughout history over all these things. Why? Because something that was one part of the whole has become a major. Rather than putting it back into its place as part of the whole and allowing it to operate. This is why we have to understand the character and the heart of God. The whole 
heart of God. Because if we only focus on the love of God, we will forget that He is holy. But if we only focus on the holiness of God, we'll withdraw. Whatever we focus on, if, it, if, if something comes out of alignment and we focus on that one issue without the context of the whole, we can easily fall into, oh, I better start my own ministry because God's given me this revelation. It was never meant to be that way. The revelation was that you were meant to share that revelation as part of the body and as part of the whole. Does that make sense? So we've allowed segregation of families and we've, and we've allowed division of the church to operate because of differences on doctrine. And I think about the early church, not the, 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 not the early church, the church in China. And I think about the history of the church in China. Hudson Taylor was in there. He was sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he was seeing all these people come and then the... The, the curtain, not, not the Iron Curtain, that was um, Germany. What was the, the what? Bamboo Curtain. Bamboo Curtain, sorry. The Bamboo Curtain came down. And they wondered what kind of church would be left behind the Bamboo Curtain. Because all of a sudden, Westerners couldn't get in there to share the gospel. You know, and all Bibles were being ripped up and all this kind of stuff. They wondered what kind of church would be there. And if you, if you read the account of Brother Yun... And the heavenly man, he, he, he actually talks about this in his book. And the thing, of, the thing what happened is that when the, when the curtain opened again and they, they went in, they realized that the gospel had flourished, that the church had flourished, that there were more and more people that had given their lives to Jesus Christ. Is there an amen to that? You know, they only had skerricks of the Bible. They only had a rip page here or a rip page there. You know, they were just like living on breadcrumbs in that point. But you know what they had? They had the Holy Spirit. They recognized the Holy Spirit in each other. And they kept ministering. Out of what they knew, they kept ministering. And the church just started to flourish. And so when they came in, they were amazed that the church in China was united, that there was no denominations, there was no division, there was no segregation, that the church in China was one. Truly, as Jesus prayed that we would be one, as He and the Father are one, the church in China was one. And then... Western man, in all our wisdom, said, let's put some other books in besides Bibles. Let's put some other books in. Let's put some theology books in. Let's put some doctrine books in. Let's put, look, let's, let's, let's put other books in besides the Bible. Can you guess what happened over the next five to ten years? Division. 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 Division, division. You know, it's like something like 150,000 denominations across the world. That's nuts. Jesus said to her, a, in, as his response to her question, Jesus was going around casting out demons. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? You're right. Jesus, Jesus went around casting out demons. 
and they were like, Satan's doing this. He's like, what? Well, he didn't say what. He could have. He didn't. This is what he said in Mark 3, verse 23. He summoned them and he spoke to them in parables. And he said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Wow. You see, this is why the enemy always goes for segregation and division. Because you can't stand. So, the Word of God says, there is one body that has many parts. Not every part has the same function. But yet we're one body. I just realized what the time is, so I'm going to have to cut myself really short. What am I saying in conclusion? We have the authority and we have the anointing. And we're called to not just pray, but we're always called to move in the opposite spirit. We're always called to move in the opposite spirit. And in this case, we are to move in love and we are to move in unity of the spirit. That is moving in the opposite spirit. That is moving in the, in the opposite spirit to segregation and division. Yep. This is what God is calling us to do, to take up, to rise and shine, to let the light of God just come and manifest. Because, you know, we are the hope. Because as Jesus was the hope of the world, we are the hope because we carry that. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And God is calling us to be a people that will stand. Last week, we, we talked about different aspects. Today, we're talking about the unity of the Spirit. We're talking about the love of Jesus Christ. We're talking about not bowing to the, to the pressure of segregation. I read a post from a friend of mine on Facebook, and I won't get into the whole details, you know, but there are people on the doors in certain places around this nation that says, you can't come in anymore. I'd rather meet under a banana leaf than say to my brother or sister, we can't fellowship anymore. Because you carry each other in your heart. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I'm going to close that. I've got too many notes there. That's what I'm trying to say. Is the unity of the Spirit is about carrying each other in your heart. You know when you've got a dear friend and you just haven't seen them for a couple of weeks? You know that feeling? It's like, I just want to see him. I just want to ring them up. I just want to talk to them. I just want to, you know, I just want to hang out with them. Think about your family member. I know when it's like when I go away at times, you know, in the past for ministry and I'm away from my family. There's, you know, just, just there's a part of me that just can't wait to see them. It's like counting down the days until I get to be time to spend time with my family. Why? Because I'm carrying them in my heart. And the church was always meant to be family. It was never meant to just be a group of people that get together and sing a song and hear a message and go away and live their life and come back again. No, no, no. We are meant to be a people that carry each other in our hearts. And that's why we, we weep with those who weep, we mourn with those who mourn, and we rejoice with those who rejoice because we carry each other in our hearts. And I sense at this time we need to pray a prayer that goes something like this. Lord, I just humble myself before you. God, I recognize today that I need more of you in my life. God, I need more of your love. I need more of your compassion. I need more of your mercy that I would carry other people in my heart the way that you carry them in your heart. 
that when there is segregation and division and all this stuff, that it would concern me. Even though it may not be right in front of me, it would concern me because, because I carry these people in my heart. God, I pray that we would carry each other and our other brothers and sisters in our hearts. That we would be a people that not go along with the flow of the world, but that we would be a people that stand. We stand for the good news of Jesus Christ. We stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We stand for the kingdom of God. And we stand. We stand together in unity. We stand together in love. And we declare it is time for the curtain to be brought down in the name of Jesus of segregation. Lord, as the church, we repent. We repent. God, we pray that every Christian and pastor and believer in this nation would, 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 would repent of the, the allowance of segregation and division to come into your church. God, we repent of that. God, we ask for your forgiveness to flow over your church in this nation where we've allowed segregation and division to come in and we gave the enemy access. And we want to see every root of it pulled out because we want to love the way that you love. We want to encourage the way that you encourage. We want to build up the way that you build up. We want to strengthen the way that you strengthen. God, we want to be your hands and feet to our brothers and sisters. Well, the prayer goes something like that. Where's our music team? I'm only on music today because Steve and Julie are sick. It was a last minute thing. I guess I want to encourage you to not come under the Spirit that's operating in different ways. And I want to encourage you to keep living by the Holy Spirit. And to make every effort. Amen? To make every effort. To make every effort. To make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. So we're going to stand together today. We're going to declare this song. You know, the Lord is... If you want to come down the front, come down the front. You know, the Lord just keeps re reinforces certain scriptures to me. And one of the scriptures that He keeps reinforcing to me is Psalm 27. I really believe Psalm 27 is one of those psalms that we need to eat of at the moment. We not only need to eat of, but we need to live of. Because David's confidence was in God to such an extent. He says, though an army is deployed against me, I will not be afraid. What, what, what confidence is that? Though an army would come against me, I will not be afraid. He was so fixed on Christ. He was so fixed. His strength was in him. And then, he, and then he declares at the end of the psalm, he says, I would have lost heart except for this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're going to declare that this morning. We're going to stand together and we're going to declare that. The goodness of God. Hands up who's seen the goodness of God over their life. Hands up who's encountered the goodness of God. Look, look around. Every single person that's in this place today has encountered the goodness of God. So we want to give Him thanks because, you know, thanksgiving is a position. Thanksgiving is a position of praise. It's a powerful position. So let's stand together this morning. If you want to come down the front, come down the front. We're just going to worship Jesus. And we're going to declare the goodness of God over our lives, over our families, and over this nation. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.